Good morning. I am your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the April 4th, 2017 edition of Ask a Leader. Welcome, Anteaters, back from spring break, ready to take on the spring quarter with verve and intention. You might as well. Everyone uh, get in there. April Fool's prank, I did mine, but it was sort of like the tree falling in the woods. I'm not sure if... I didn't get a single reaction to my prank, and I thought it was a good one. Uh, I won't share it with you because it's not politically too correct, but it is. So irony is kicking down the door today on the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's famous Riverside Church speech taking on the Vietnam War and the wealth gap in the U.S. Our current president posts today as a deadline for contract bids to build a wall along the U.S. Mexican border. Let that sink in. Now for today's program, we're devoting it all to Dr. Bill Honigman, who returns to the show to post us on where we are at the healthcare reform juncture. And there are a lot of, a lot of paths leading into where we are right now. Sort of high noon, and I'm not even sure what other movies to mix in with the other large helpings of it. So at times like these, the topic merits giving Dr. Bill the larger share the whole hour. We'll be right back after a short station break. Thank you, everyone, for staying tuned. My guest today is Dr. Bill Honigman. Dr. Bill, as he is mainly referred to by all peoples in the area, he is an ER physician and the California State Coordinator for the Progressive Democrats of America and presently the National Healthcare Issue Organizing Team Coordinator for PDS. And he completed his undergraduate work at UC Santa Cruz. He's a graduate PhD candidate at UC Irvine in biochemistry. His MD he completed at Finch University of Health Sciences, Chicago Medical School, North Chicago, and his internship and residency in emergency medicine at Kern Medical Center in Bakersfield. He's board certified in the specialty. His training is from and since then the 30-year practitioner of emergency medicine here in Orange County. Were you to see him here or you might recognize him from his many stints at major arterials in Orange County where he beckons the public's attention to the crises of medical health care delivery. Dr. Bill was co-chair of the California Bernie Sanders delegation at the Democratic National Convention in Philly last summer. Today, Dr. Bill will take up all the ways in which reform continues to make its way through the political process on the federal and state levels. That's quite a bite uh, we're chewing on. We've written off here. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Dr. Bill Honigman. Oh, thanks, Claudia. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here with you, and it's uh, great to have known you and been a friend of yours for some time now. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's some, some kind of disclosure there. Well, <laughs> here we are. So after all that graciousness, I'm going to broadside you with this one. Nobody, nobody's heard this one yet. Dr. Bill, as an emergency room physician, 
how would you characterize the patient? Were the patient healthcare on the gurney headed toward the, is he headed toward, he or she headed towards the ER or the operating room? Or maybe is the um, healthcare person getting an MRI? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. I, I, um, have worked uh, almost exclusively a night shift, a graveyard shift. That's a, that's an app name for for yeah. what I do. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, for for quite a few years now, and um, I can tell you that a, uh, a a screaming baby with an earache in the middle of the night is is every bit bit as much an emergency as uh, uh, as somebody you know having a heart attack or some uh, trauma of some kind. So it really runs the gamut, and uh, so when people are having a crisis, a personal crisis, you know, you need to have all resources available at any hour of the day. You know, I tell people we're like we're like Denny's, we're you know we're always open twenty four seven. People come in with with whatever uh, uh, that that needs our attention. So that's that's the ER for you. Right, but what I want to know in the metaphor here, using the metaphor of an incoming patient, where would you put health care? Oh, I see. The, so the reform so package. Health care is the patient now. Right. Uh, on its, uh, on, its on the gurney. the gurney. So it's moving to the gurney. Where is it heading in the hospital? It's, it's absolutely at a crisis level, and, and that's because people are dying unnecessarily in this country. So it is heading for, for major, uh, major reconstruction. I would say, um, life-threatening problem that requires major reconstruction at this point. Too many people are falling through the cracks. Uh, that makes it every bit as much an, uh, a, a crisis or an emergency situation as, say, our climate crisis is. So, so you know, this needs to be done, you know, years ago. But uh, if not years ago, it needs to be done now. A major health care reform uh, has to be, in a, and a, you know, Let's let's perform the the operation that's that's necessary to save his patient. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can start with the state level. There are a lot of state levels, and then we're, we'll head over to the federal because a lot of thing, interesting things have shaken out of the on the national level since the election. So, but first, as we're talking about this on the state level, the statewide effort for California's own single-payer healthcare system, you're very involved in that. It's taken on a whole new stature since Trump and the Republicans have now the entire leadership now, and they've tried to put the ACA out of there. So among other many realms, California is going its own way with an introduction, and this is her, this is the Dr. Bill rollout here, of Senate Bill 562, and it's because it's California Senate Lara's, uh, that's his uh, area code, that's why it's called 562? That's right. Nope. That's uh... Helps yeah, Senator Lara uh, represents the Long Beach area of Southern California, and the area code there, if you call Long Beach, it is 562. Yes. This is Senate Bill 562, the Healthy California Act. And, you know, these are at least interesting times that we're living in now, at least since the November election. Um, it's a took a whole lot of people by surprise and and of course the republicans threatening to repeal the affordable care act 
you know, for years uh, uh, since it was voted in and signed into place by President Obama, um, the Republicans have you know sworn that they would uh, get rid of it and that they would trash it. And uh, uh, of course, now we know that it's it's provided a tremendous service for people. It's still not all the reform that we need. There's still far too many people. Uh, uh, dying and going bankrupt uh, because of health care, uh, the, the inefficiencies, especially in our system here in, in America. So California has taken up the, the gauntlet and, uh, and saying that, well, you know, the, uh, the Trump publicans may present whatever it is they're, they're going to present as an alternative. Uh, we've got the alternative, and, and California is ready to move forward with it, and that's a single-payer health care system. So... How do you see, because New York is also working at going on, but so some, it's not completely an out and left field kind of response to our status quo. So how would this reform provide, step up to provide high quality, comprehensive health care, exceeding what the ACA already does? If you could tell us as much as you can about the, the act itself, what it proposes. Sure. So um, uh, you can think of you know the process basically like uh, kind of like Canada did in the uh, '60s, where they they started in one province in Canada and it moved across the whole country. And so those of us in the in the movement uh, trying to reform healthcare for many years um, have said if if the federal government's not ready to do this, then you know any of the states could could take this on. And uh, what we're talking about is California, you know, um, the fifth largest economy in the world, so we're as big as many countries, right. probably including Canada, um, having our own single-payer health care system. Now, Canada, Taiwan, countries all around the world, I know Bernie Sanders is very, very fond of talking about Denmark for some reason, uh, but uh, countries all around the world, every civilized country, as Bernie says, uh, every industrialized country in the in the world has a system uh, that's similar to a single payer system, and what it does is it cuts out the inefficiencies of the middleman. You know, in particular in the um, uh, health insurance uh, sector of the economy, but also um, by reducing uh, pharmaceutical costs, where the state, as a large consumer you know, purchaser of pharmaceuticals uh, can negotiate down prices with big pharma. So you have those two things, cutting out the middleman and insurance and cutting down uh, big pharma prices, and that really makes uh, health care affordable. In fact, um, uh, with a, a very comprehensive plan, um, one that includes um, all medical expenses, including a dental, vision, long-term care, mental health care, providing all those things that all the other uh, advanced countries in the world are doing for their people, um, we would still save money in, in the process. So, you know, those of us in the movement for truly universal health care, it has to be two things. It has to provide all the people all the care. And so that's what we're talking about, a comprehensive plan that covers everybody and, and saves money at the same time. It's it, you know it sounds like pie in the sky. It does uh, <laughs> because it but, hasn't uh, happened anything near it. That's why. Yeah. Well, you know, it's there are models all around the world. It is happening, except for in America, where we we tolerate this. And you know, I always say it's not pie in the sky. It's 
Marie Callender's pie. It's a it's a pie, you know, not that I you know, have any stock in Marie Callender's, but uh out here at least in the West Coast, um we have Marie Callender's where uh you can go in a, a pie in a pie shop, okay, and you take the pie home, you open up the box and a third of your healthcare pie is gone. I mean, that's what we're losing right now to the inefficiencies of, of big pharma and big insurance is a third of every healthcare dollar. So imagine if you could recover that third of every healthcare dollar and put it into providing care to people. You know, the numbers work out like, uh, like this. For every okay. million people in the population of that you know, state or nation, um, you can actually save $1 billion for that state or nation's budget annually. So, you know, in, a, in uh, the size of uh, the whole country, we're, what, about a 300 million population size. We could save $300 billion a year. Now, I don't know if you remember the Trump-Publican plan. They proposed that they could save, I think it was three or $500 billion in 10 years. Right. But we could save that much every year by going to a single-payer plan. And in California, that's about a tenth the size of of the nation. So let's say we have 30 million or 40 million people in, in California. We could save 30 to $40 billion in our state budget every year by going over to this plan. And that's not pie in the sky. It's Marie Callender's pie. It's a pie at the pie shop. We just recover that third of every health care dollar that's currently being lost. So whose numbers are those? Is this coming from the state's the policy budget policy analysts, or where, who was saying that this this could be a thirty to forty billion dollars savings to the state? Well, whenever uh, you know it, uh, legislation is proposed or a ballot measure, right? Uh, you you know there are uh, financial analyst right. groups that are commissioned to study these things, and uh, uh, California did this when it first proposed it back in the late nineties. Uh, a very respected and conservative group called the Lewin Group. Uh, studied uh, it for uh, California um, as proposed back then, and they came up with these these numbers um, wow. across the board savings. Uh, then you have a number of economists who have designed uh, systems um, around the world. Again, for many countries and states around the world, and those systems all uh, involve these uh, uh, you know applications of formulas and that kind of thing, where you where you actually get the revenues, you know, from uh, generally a, pro- a progressive taxation system of some kind, either income or payroll taxes, and, and then, you know, using those revenue streams, you apply it to this comprehensive care, and again, they, they all save money. It ends up costing less, not more. And, and it's kind of contradictory to, to what we think, generally, because we think, gee, if everybody's getting more care, isn't that going to cost a whole lot more? Well, you have prevention, you know, preventive care, right. um, so that if people are going to see their doctor more, they end up costing the system less because they're preventing, you know, illnesses, they're taking care of their diabetes and heart conditions. Uh, I can't tell you, Claudia, how many times I see people in emergency for neglected medical conditions, right. dental problems. Right. People come in to see me, you know, almost every night in the emergency room. A patient will come in with, with a dental problem that's gotten so bad that then they're, you know, in there with the rest of the mix of, of emergencies, and, and it's because they can't afford their dental, right. you know, or they're going to Tijuana to get dental. So all of those things add up. If you look at Japan, for example, 
they see their doctors on average 13 times a year to our four times a year. And yet they live longer, their life expectancy is longer, and they're spending about half as much on health care. So they're, they're seeing their doctors more, and it ends up costing them less, and they have better outcomes. Um, all mm. that because uh, they've um, uh, captured those resources that have been uh, wasted in, in private insurance and, and big pharma. So, Dr. Bill, where does the money then come from to get this project started then? You're talking about state, a progressive state income tax and employees tax as well. That's where, that's where the California state legislature has to take their case to uh, those stakeholders? Right. And so, you know, I mean, right now, so a lot of people have their insurance premiums paid by their employer, right? So, right. So the, the problem there is that really that's part of your salary. You know, it's a benefit, but you earn that benefit uh, by doing the work for right. that company. So, you know, aren't you entitled then to, to that uh, pay? And then that pay could be applied to this, uh, you know, tax then, or you could think of it as a public premium. Uh, at that point, we're all paying into a system. And um, it sounds difficult uh, or odd even, but guess what? We already do it for seniors. It's called Medicare. Uh, so right. we can do it exactly the same way do, that we do it for seniors. That's why they call this system a Medicare for all system, uh, because, you know, those of us who are working uh, generally uh, pay into the system, and we pay as a progressive income tax, and for those who have um, their taxes withheld, that would be a payroll tax. Uh, so your, your money's withheld from your paycheck. Um, you earn that money, and you're paying your income tax by having that, that tax withheld from your paycheck or paying it on your own. But it's a progressive taxation system, meaning those who make more money, if you make a million dollars a year, you're going to pay more so that everybody can be healthy. Um, it's, it's also a boon for the economy. So, so even the you know the the folks who make more money should be very happy to pay into the system because suddenly you have a whole lot more healthy people. Um, we're putting people to work by building hospitals, clinics, training doctors, nurses, therapists of all kinds. Um, so it, it's it's actually an economic stimulus as well. Again, you recovered that third of every healthcare dollar that was lost. And now you're applying it to more comprehensive care, which is going to increase the, the economy altogether. I'm going to take up that economic stimulus one point further, but I want to just let any guest who's just joined us know that you're listening to Ask a Leader here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Streaming on the web on KUCI.org. We're on Twitter at KUCI-FM, Instagram, KUCI-FM, Tumblr, and Facebook page we have, KUCI 88.9. And my guest is Dr. Bill Honigman, emergency room physician in Orange County and healthcare activist with the Progressive Democrats of America. We're talking about the California movement afoot Senate Bill 562, the Healthy California Act, uh, sponsored by Senator Lara from Long Beach. So as far as the economic stimulus goes, isn't there also probably addressed in either the Lewin Group or the other economists the fact that when you treat someone, they become, many of them, more, they, they go back to the workforce. Some of them have 
been pulled out of the workforce because they're ailing. So there is additional revenue from a more viable, large, an ex- expanded workforce from better health. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right. well, well, let's um, now. There's, there are other, uh, you know, and there are other uh, economic aspects. For example, um, uh, our system, our non-system of healthcare that we have, um, has built-in redundancies. For example, uh, we all pay extra money. We again, we have uh, our salary. We have a portion of our salary withheld, and we pay money into when we purchase a product for what's called workers' compensation. Right. So any any product that's made, if you go and and buy a coffee at Starbucks, for example, uh, Starbucks has to include that in the price of their product. Would be money that they have to set aside for their workers' comp health care. So of their employees. So uh, guess what? A universal health care system doesn't have to have an extra health care system for employees. Workers' comp. Um, here's another one. Uh, malpractice and defensive medicine. You know, doctors order more tests than they need to because they're afraid they're going to get sued. Uh, they, they order more tests. They, they write prescriptions for antibiotics that aren't necessary, right? Uh, you know, a lot of doctors are just easier to write a prescription, you know, and say, here, I gave you something, you know, because yeah. they're afraid they're going to be sued if they didn't, even if it's the wrong thing to do. In universal healthcare countries around the world, they have half the malpractice rates that we have. Now, you know, you might think, well, Americans are suit happy, right? We have well, too many lawyers or something. No, uh, they have plenty of lawyers uh, all around the world, and we need good lawyers to go after the unscrupulous uh, doctors and other providers. Um, but what they don't have everywhere else around the world are medical bills that they have to pay. So if you come out of the hospital with a bill for 100000 or $200,000 because you spent five or six days in intensive care, you know, and you don't have that kind of money, and your insurance plan didn't cover the whole thing, and you're, you're stuck with, you know, a bill like that, like $100,000, and some lawyer says to you, hey, I can get you that money, you know, here's something, is, was there anything that went wrong with your care? Well, okay, sure, you know, and, and they'll find a way. Uh, so, so that's the problem is, um, uh, is you know, is, is malpractice, um, a whole lot of built-in redundancy uh, in our system. Uh, so things are simplified and streamlined. Uh, probably the, the biggest inefficiency is in administration costs. So you have um, uh, claims processing where insurance companies uh, deny your claim. Right? It happens right. all the time. Yep. Um, doctors have to submit their claims over and over and over again. So we have uh, have this whole industry set up over the denial of health care uh, instead of the provision of health care. We can retool that industry so that people who ordinarily would say, no, you can't have that, they would be the ones who say, oh, you need this for your diabetes or your you know, high cholesterol we need you to make sure that you're on track, um, those you could call them case managers or care managers, so that we know that they're getting the care that they need instead of somebody blocking uh, their care. So we retool the industry. We give those people a better job actually getting people through the system, and it costs a whole lot less money than all of this craziness of uh, health insurance, the private health insurance that we have.
Well, a- any yes. doctor emergency room will tell you that Medicare is much easier to deal with than, than private insurance. So we're all now hearing where the the battle lines are drawn up that we we know that the insurance companies in California have a huge stake and they've they've always had a huge stake whether it's the state or the national level so that's on particularly holding their own on one side now coalescing with the progressive democrats of america are also the california nurses association national nurses united physicians for a national health program and i don't know who the the, the acronym cara stands for that's a uh California uh, Alliance of Retired Americans, okay. uh, ARA, which is you know nationwide. So right. our, here in California, it's CARA. Yeah. And the Green Party, they're all uh, working along with you. Where is has the California chapter for the AMA chimed in at all yet? The CMA, yeah. No, so uh, it was uh, very interesting with this uh, you know proposal by. Uh, by the Trump publicans, uh, Trump and Ryan and McConnell, um, we finally heard the AMA yes. say that they would, you know, oppose what what uh, the Trump publicans had in mind. I don't know if you caught that one. I caught it. Yeah, it was almost under the radar. But um, traditionally, the the AMA and uh, you know, in California, that's the CMA is the uh, uh, California chapter of the AMA. Um, is uh, has traditionally opposed anything that would be um, considered to be a public insurance or what they might call a, a socialized medicine or um, you know government-run insurance. Uh, and you know, and as a physician, I, all I can tell you is that um, the I have never felt that the AMA represented me. I've never belonged to the American Medical Association oh, right? or the CMA, okay. uh, and yeah. that uh, people don't realize it, but uh, the vast majority of practicing physicians do not belong to the AMA. Uh, the AMA really is a high-priced lobbying outfit that uh, lobbies on behalf of the very high-priced specialties in, in medicine, and in particular the procedure-oriented specialties. So, you know, the surgeons who do case after case after case, you know, have a real mill-going kind of thing in the, in the operating room <laughs> uh, or outpatient surgery, they're perhaps their own personal interests are well-represented, um, but I can tell you, even amongst those doctors, a, a lot of them are just fed up with all the insurance claims, and and um, for that matter, you know, they they feel like they're they're making decisions based on on personal finances instead of on what's really good for the patient. I'll give you one example. I I know a fellow who actually did his medical training here in Orange County. Okay. Uh, I believe it was at UC Irvine. Um, he left to go to Canada to practice because he's, he's actually a pediatric cardiac surgeon. Oh, wow. And when you think about it, um, you know, what cases are, are more heartbreaking than these babies? Usually so it's speak. a baby born with congenital heart disease, right? And, and the family can't afford the surgeries that the baby needs. And he just felt it was just too much for him. You know, there were two, you know, just case after case uh, where they could not provide the care that was needed. And uh, and he knew if he practiced in Canada that every case that he saw would, would have the necessary resources to, to have that surgery done. So, but Dr. Bill, where is the CMA weighing in on 
Senate Bill 562. I haven't heard, Claudia. I haven't heard them take a position yet. So when you find out, let me know. <laughs> you know, we'll have you. We'll have you back. We'll have you back with maybe a CMA representative or something. Ah, like that. sounds good. We could. I'd love to talk with them about it. Sure. So then, when we talk about California, the practicalities of going alone, and now it's it's this is something also that the state of New York is trying to do, is part of what. Senate Bill 562. Are, are there discussions in the legislature about creating templates for adoption in other parts of the country? Is that part of what this is, as a leadership kind of piece? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, absolutely. And, you know, and the, the efforts that have uh, gone on in, you know, a number of other states, like you mentioned, New York, uh, Vermont, uh, Oregon, uh, just recently Colorado, all of those states have, you know, they're pushing the the envelope. They're pushing the issue out. Um, and everywhere, you know, and, and California has done this, you know, on multiple occasions as well. So when a state pushes uh, for their own health care uh, reform, then that's going to have an effect across the country. And, uh, you know, just like Canada did. So California to do this, we really think would be the you know, straw that finally breaks the camel's back um, and and brings, you know, California or, or the United States, American health care, kicking and screaming into the rest of the civilized world. Um, so, so California is the big dog, of course. Um, we're not, in general, we're not fans of Donald Trump and, uh, and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Uh, and most Californians, by far, are trying to resist uh, Trump and the Republicans uh, at this point. In you know, and and you might even say that the best defense against them is is a good offense. So when it comes to health care, we really feel now is a, a critical time uh, to push this forward. And we're better to do that from than than from you know the progressive left coast. Um, but I, but I always say that you know that that progressives have more in common with uh, Trump voters. And, we'll get uh, into that. We're going to open that up. But we're I'm going to yeah. bring up as you you brought up Vermont. What does the Vermont case tell us? Vermont is a whole lot more homogeneous. It's a lot simpler of a sort of a state model. Some estimates of the cost of their program that was proposed was at two point five billion. It's and the state only has a two point seven billion dollar budget. So what what can we learn for what collapsed in Vermont? Yeah, so the the what they use my understanding of, of what happened in Vermont and um, you know I guess we'd we'd have you'd have to interview uh, one of the Vermont folks to know a little more specifically, perhaps, okay. but uh, but they use the models very similar uh, to uh, the ones that have been used in other countries. I know there's uh, Dr. William Shao, um, spelled H S A I O, I believe, out of Harvard Medical School, designed the plan that they would have implemented, uh, and also. The successful plan that wasn't implemented in the country of Taiwan, for example, these plans, as we said, save money. They don't cost more. But uh, from the political point of view, is a very heavy lift, and that's because we need to uh, compel people, um, or at least to educate them, to the point where they realize that. Um, 
yes, they're going to pay uh, more in taxes, and yes, they will have no more uh, health insurance premium to pay. So the, the net uh, payment will be less than what they paid now, and that's what truly makes it more affordable. Uh, but that's a heavy lift politically, you know, yeah. to convince people that they're, um, um, you know, the extra money they'll pay in taxes will more than cover uh, what's, what they're already paying in a private health insurance premium. And so that's, that's what happened in Vermont. They could not uh, make the, com- the case, uh, I think, compelling enough to, to their uh, voters. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's, it's just basically on, on hold there. Uh, it's not dead, and it's not dead anywhere, um, because we need to keep pushing out the, the concept so that people understand that simplifying the healthcare system will save money and save lives. So as we watch the AHCA, American Healthcare Act, that was the, as you call it, the Trumplican bill, that in the amidst this was unexpected but expected kind of momentum for single payer and Ezra Klein who's actually he's a he, you know he's a uni high grad yeah local. Ezra Klein down the street there where he was yeah. both uh, when his work and the folks on his vox.com have been posting some very interesting focus groups with Trump supporters many of whom are on the Obamacare coverage and I'll just I'll quickly run out one tweet from a quote from that he posted and we'll talk about some of how this is breaking down this one voter supporter said I wanted Trump to do away with the tax penalty mandate if you don't get coverage I want him to lower premiums and expand coverage under these plans I didn't really have strong preconceived notions of how Washington would accomplish this I'm not running for office I'm not promising to make it better I just take them if there were to make it better if that means more government spending to make that happen or more free market enterprise options it is more or less irrelevant to me I just wanted them to make it happen they right. promised they would do it and it was a strong campaign process but you know by Trump he just wanted them to figure it out and get it done so and then there was a focus group in Harrisburg Pennsylvania of Trump supporters as I said on Obamacare enrolled there and half of them chimed in with where the government runs one health insurance plan for everyone that's what he campaigned that's what he wanted so that's a kind of an interesting let's take our health care now into the the labor delivery unit <laughs> maybe this right. is giving birth now to a right. single payer and it, what do you think of this opportunity do you did you were you surprised to see the trump supporters come out and say by the way we really took him at his word yeah i mean it you know it seems shocking especially to and if you look at the the political spectrum and you know i as you know i've been involved in in democratic party politics for uh, all my life at this point and and i'm getting old <laughs> um but uh if you if you look at politics and then as that kind of linear right versus left kind of thing then you kind of get stuck in this you know how could they actually not see this this coming you know and and be so uh, uh you know how could they be surprised uh, that uh, uh, Trump and the Republicans really had nothing to offer. Um, but, it, you know, I think it's more constructive, really, to look at it as a big tent. You know, kind of the uh, friend of mine just calls it a political horseshoe, or right and left, meet around back, or reach right, around. Right. Um, and, um, and that is the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter if you voted for Trump, 
you're a Tea Party person, you know, you're a person. And people have family and friends and coworkers and neighbors, and nobody wants to see their family and friends and other people suffer uh, because or die because they can't afford to see a doctor. And that's really the, the horrible injustice in all this. And, uh, uh, you know, man, you mentioned Dr. King, you know, in this anniversary of his speech at the Riverside Church, in particular, that, you know, Dr. King said of all the forms of inequality and justice in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. And, and, you know, really it's because of that preventable deaths. The, the Affordable Care Act, by offering more uh, people insurance, lowered the preventable death rate. So, you know, if you look again at kind of an in- index, uh, for every million people uninsured in America, about a thousand people die every year. Um, and that number was upwards of 60,000 uh, people a year that were dying in America before the Affordable Care Act. Uh, after that, in the seven years now, that number's down to about half that, so 30,000 people a year. But then I would say to you, how many people in Canada die every year because they can't afford to see a doctor? Do you have that number? Zero. It's none. People in Canada don't die because they can't afford to see a doctor. Everybody can afford to see a doctor in Canada. Okay? And, and, And not only that, how many people go bankrupt uh, in Canada, uh, from medical expenses, zero. <laughs> Nobody goes bankrupt uh, in those um, uh, single payer type systems around the world. So, uh, so that's what we're looking at. It this, this horrible injustice, and I think uh, you know the the Trump voter, um, the you know Republicans even ought to see that saving money and saving lives is what we need. It's not right versus left, it's right versus wrong. And right now, we're in the wrong. That's why we need, we need more reform, and that's what, uh, that's what you know, we're talking about here in California and hopefully across the nation. And, and I think you, you're aware, too, that, um, that uh, Representative John Conyers of Michigan has put this forward um, for national legislation, uh, H.R. 676, in the last six or seven uh, sessions of Congress. If he's nothing else, he's persistent. So uh, he's put it forward, you know, whether it's uh, uh, favorable or not, um, and it's it's there now. And guess what? Since uh, all of this uh, recent shenanigans with the Trump Republican plan, we now have more co-sponsors signed on to uh, Conyers uh, HR six seven six national. Uh, single-payer health care, Medicare know, for all, too. Can you quantify that, Bill, Dr. Bill? How yeah, many I more are joining on? Most, yeah, the most recent figure was something like 78, I think I saw, or 80 now, co-sponsors. Uh, that's up from about 35 before, you know, the end of the year. So a lot of uh, Democrats even had dropped off, and they were kind of giving Obamacare a chance. Well, it's done about as well as it can do, unfortunately, too many people still have, you know, too many copays, deductibles, out-of-network out expenses, pharmaceutical costs that, that make the Affordable Care Act not that affordable. And that is, I think, what drove a lot of the people to vote for Trump. They were looking for a better deal. And, you know, of course, Trump is, uh, you know, 
is a mirage that way. I mean, you, you can you can look at them and think you're going to get a better deal, and you know, I think people will find they're not. So for those of you, I just want to let you know, if you just tuned in, my guest is Dr. Bill Hunnigman. He's an emergency room physician here in Orange County and a healthcare activist with the Progressive Democrats of America. We're now talking about affordable, the Affordable Care Act, the Affordable Health Care Act, and then uh, this Affordable Health Care Act received only about 17% support around the country. The Americans' Freedom Caucus... The, the, the Freedom Caucus in Congress wants to strip further the plan. So there's that sort of tug going on while you're seeing at least, I'm, I'm sure when you said with uh, Representative Conyers House Resolution 676, that the doubling of representatives supporting that legislation are strictly Democrats. I can't imagine there are any Republicans supporting that, correct? Correct. Okay, so it's still a very partisan movement afoot there. So while we're we're talking over this. I just have this earnest way of wanting to ask you to take a stab at the trends. As you know, we've talked about Martin Luther King a couple times now. If the arc of health care is, is still leading us to improved outcomes. Yeah. So what I like to think, and, you know, and, and I'm old enough to remember Dr. King. <laughs> uh, Ditto. Never met the man, but... I like to think that Dr. King would have said uh, about this mess that we have in this healthcare crisis that the real immorality is in making profit off of uh, off of health and and especially sickness. That when you make a profit, there's really no place for profit making when it comes to a condition of human need. So if it's healthcare, education, you know, whatever it is. When there's, a, when there's a human need that needs resources put into it, if somebody takes some, some of that resource out and puts it in their own pocket, that's immoral. That, then they've taken it away from applying it to that condition of human need. And right now, we have a third of every health care dollar, you know, a lot of that going to CEO pay and advertising, and, you know, a tremendous inefficiency and this is all under the pretense of some kind of magic that comes out of the, you know, the um, uh, free market system. But we all know free markets are not necessarily fair markets. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that, that kind of pulls it in to what Dr. King said about this, about the, um, the art inequality of yeah. in health care yeah. right, being the most shocking and inhumane injustice. Um, and so that that moral arc of the universe is bending all the time, you know, toward justice, and that's what this movement is all about: healthcare justice. Uh, there's a wonderful uh, couple of movies that that folks can watch. Uh, one called The Healthcare Movie, generically titled. Oh. Um, with, yeah, The Healthcare Movie. You can put that in a web search. Uh, healthcare Movie. Um, and it compares Canadian versus American healthcare, kind of person-on-the-street interviews, testimonials, you know, people with, like, end-of-life decision-making, um, how do you deal with a child with, you know, with uh, a bad heart condition. Um, and what, what you find, I think, the theme of this movie, this wonderful little movie, is the theme of community, that they have a sense in Canada that they're all in it together. 
You know, it's like the Yogi Berra. Everybody does better when everybody does better. <laughs> right. So, so they all know they're going to get taken care of because they know everyone's going to get taken care of. And that's a, that's a real sense of value for it and a sense of community. Um, they also have a newer film out yes. uh, called Now is the Time Healthcare, which covers a lot of the, uh, um, the numbers and things that I was just mentioning. It's, it's an excellent movie, too, Now is the Time. And there's another great movie called Fix It Healthcare. Uh, you can just put in a web search, Fix It Healthcare, which talks about the incredible savings for businesses and the economy um, by going to a single-payer system. So... Uh, so I always offer to, you know, if folks want to have a public showing of a movie of some kind, you know, if if it's uh, if I'm available, I'm I'm happy to come to one of these and and you know we can do a little uh, Q and A session after a movie. Um, so I think that's a great way to for people to learn more and become you know better um, uh, spokespersons themselves on the issue, uh, and uh, you know bring a friend or family member. Uh, to one of these movie showings. It's excellent. Well, We're also doing a number of town halls. Yes. Uh, yeah, we have one coming up in um, um, Garden Grove this, this Saturday. If folks in, here in the Orange County area want to uh, join us, um, it's uh, uh, this Saturday the 8th. The 8th, uh, right. April mm-hmm. 8th, yeah, in Garden Grove at the community center there. Um, so uh, if folks want to join us, uh, there'll be a whole lot of, discussion specifically of this uh, California bill, the Healthy California Act, SB 562. All right. That's is, that's not on the healthycalifornia.org uh, website. I want to know what website, and I can put that in my health, the podcast summary. It is. It's uh, it's listed there at healthycalifornia.org. Okay, good. Then I'll, I'll put that in there. But while you're giving a list of things, I'm, I'm struck by, now, T.R. Reid is making the speaking circuit on all the media about his tax code reform but before and and I'm a little I'm a little uh not so great about that some of his stuff's been a little too glib I think for for literacy and finance but I do remember when his the healing of America a global quest for better cheaper and fair health care where he um, I think the most salient example that uh, he posted was how Thailand had all kinds of they had a similar program as ours, but they did go into a closer to a single payer model after they experimented with ours. So sort of we're 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 not evolving at the rate of most countries in this what you were talking about this a moral a more moral way of of addressing health care for everybody. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So T.R. Reid's. Um a classic, uh, I, I believe it was a PBS Frontline documentary called Sick Around the World. That's another excellent film. and He goes from one country to the next. And I uh, wrote a book um, uh, on the same subject called The Healing of America. That's the one I was mentioning, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's another great film to, to show uh, public uh, uh, as well, of course, Michael Moore did uh, you know Sicko, Sicko and yep. uh, and his latest film uh, Where to Invade Next. I even had a piece on healthcare, and he he goes to all these countries, of course, in that movie, and and shows how all these other countries have done the, those things that were stopped here uh, by our political system. Uh, so uh, so yeah, it's you know we've got a long way to go. So sure. the, like to to wrap up things a 
bit, not too rapidly, but to wrap all the same. We've seen how the insurance companies have rallied to maintain the status quo. Do you see if now, because we're, we're getting so much terrific information from cognitive scientists now about how the political debates are framed, how support is mustered for various initiatives. I'm just wondering, Dr. Bill, if you see that the way to frame Trump supporters benefiting from Obamacare or Trump supporters asking for single payer, if there's that frame, if they're the poster people, if that would be, um, it's necessary, would that be, in your mind, a sufficient way of countervailing the insurance companies push back for single payer. Absolutely, and, I, and I'll give you two major reasons why I see Dude. that. Um, that the political winds are shifting. There's no doubt in my mind, and you know, again, I'm old enough to <laughs> been around to see it. Um, but here's here's the two reasons. One is uh, millennials. Now, you know, I my two sons are millennials, and uh, and they tell me all the time. I don't have to see a movie. I don't have to go to a meeting, you know, because uh, I already know this is true, you know. They got and, it at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, they 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 talk with friends. They're incredibly social. Uh, millennials are incredibly social. You know, they're texting each other all the time. They're, they're, I mean, that's where social media came from. Right. Frankly. It wasn't from you know us older ones. Um, and the 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 outpouring of support for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is absolutely, what happened with Bernie was absolutely unique. And, uh, you know, that's where I have to credit groups like, like our own group, uh, PDA, Progressive Democrats. We, we saw that early on, you know, years before. We knew Bernie was the guy to get up there and debate. And, uh, and Bernie said over and over again, I, you know, I'm sure people can quote him verbatim, that we're the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have this already. And, you know, it was that kind of, you know, stalwart, stick-to-itness, you know, and, and groups like, you know, like the, the nurses, National Nurses United and Physicians for National Health Program, they've said the same thing over and over again. So, you know, that's, that's where I see the, the, the silver lining or, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel um, is that it's, it's moving forward. And, uh, you know, um, I think it's uh, Jim Hightower says, uh, uh, you know, um, just if, if people are, are trying to stop you, you know, if the ones who are, are think we shouldn't make progress should just at least get out of the way so that those of us who, who want to make progress can go ahead and do it. So uh, I guess to, um, if this isn't too tired of a metaphor, having healthcare still be on the gurney, is maybe the healthcare entity, it's on the gurney in the hallway. It's just a matter of where where the public sho- shoves that gurney in the, the next, let's say, year and a half. Absolutely. Okay. And um, it's all about, uh, you know, the political wins, um, the for, for way too long, the political winds have been blowing towards the money and moneyed interest in America, and now they need to be blowing towards the interest of the people, the 99%. Um, we're calling this health care for the 99%. Um, and that's the way the, the political winds will blow that gurney, <laughs> health care gurney, to where it's got to go. 
Um, but we need everyone to be involved, and uh, and more and more people are are getting involved, and that's a great thing to see. Well, Dr. Bill, I'm here. I'm trying to get my sound up here. Wait. Oh. I really want to thank you, Dr. Bill Honigman, for coming on. It's been a real pleasure hearing where the winds are blowing. And uh, as we go out with the Lalo Schifrin theme, everybody will recognize. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being back on the show. Thank you, Claudia. It was great to be with you. Thank Thanks you so for much. for doing your show. All right. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. As want to have here, if you're interested in meeting with your member of Congress, the district work periods are, they're starting on April 10th and will go to April 21st. And that is a, your opportunity to, uh, to speak with your member of Congress and uh, ask them the questions you've been wanting to ask. These are their working days and it's expected they meet with us. Then we have... I hope you'll have a chance to listen. I'd like to steer you to Kevin O'Leary. He's a local, and he's a fellow from UCI's Center for Democracy on the sister channel, uh, Ian Masters' background briefing. And he had a wonderful talk about his new book that and his insights about American government. They're stellar, and I'll, I'll pounce on him and have him on the show as soon as I can. So I just want to let you know next week, I'm going to ask the tough questions of uh, Jared Ruth about Cox Communications Get Started OC. And we're also going to Get Started OC, an entrepreneur competition. Then UCI professor Kevork Abazajian. He's the California coordinator and board member for 314 Action. He's been uh, pulling his astrophysics know-how from his sleeve to explain elaborate things about our climate to members of Congress. We'll get his memo here talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone.